Letter thirty nine of The Power of Sympathy or The Triumph of Nature Founded in Truth by William Hill Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letter thirty nine. Mrs. Holmes to Myra. Bellevue i readily undertake to give you a sketch of the history of harriet her mother's name was maria fawcett her person i yet recollect and forgive me if i drop a tear of pity at the recital of her misfortunes my mother and mrs holmes were remarkable friends and the intimacy you know was maintained between the two families i was on a visit with my mother when the destiny of maria led her to bellevue I was frequently there during her illness, and was with her in her last moments. It was the custom of Mrs. Holmes to walk in the garden towards the close of the day. She was indulging her usual walk, when she was alarmed by the complaints of a woman which came from the road. Pity and humanity were ever peculiar characteristics of my amiable parent. She hastened to the place whence the sound issued, and beheld a young woman, bathed in tears, sitting on the ground. She inquired the cause of her distress, with that eager solicitude to relieve, which a sight so uncommon would naturally occasion. It was some time before the distressed woman could return an intelligible answer, and then she, with difficulty, proceeded, "'Your goodness, madam, is unmerited. You behold a stranger, without home, without friends,' and whose misery bears her down to an untimely grave life is a blessing but my life is become burdensome and were the almighty this moment to command me to the world of spirits methinks i could gladly obey the summons and rejoice in the stroke which bade me depart from sorrow and the world moderate your grief my dear woman repine not at the will of providence nor suffer yourself to despair however severe your misfortunes the unfortunate woman was at length prevailed on to accompany mrs holmes into the house she partook of some refreshment and retired to sleep in a few days she appeared to be better but it was a temporary recovery she then told her story with frequent interruptions in substance as follows history of maria I date the rise of my misfortunes, said Maria, at the beginning of my acquaintance with the Honourable Mr. Harrington. But for his solicitations I might still have lived in peace. A sister would not have had occasion to blush at the sound of my name, nor had a mother's pillow been steeped in tears, too fondly prone to remember a graceless but repenting child. We lived happily together in the days of my father but when it pleased providence to remove him we no longer asserted our pretensions to that rank of life which our straitened finances were unable to continue a young woman in no eligible circumstances has much to apprehend from the solicitations of a man of affluence i am now better persuaded of this truth than i ever was before for this was my unhappy situation i always entertained a predilection for mr harrington he urged his passion with protestations of sincerity and affection. He found my heart too slightly guarded. He strove, he triumphed. 
must i proceed a smiling female was the offspring of our illicit connection ah my little harriet continued maria as she wiped away a tear from her eye mayest thou enjoy that happiness which is denied to thy mother our amour was not fated to last long i discovered his gay temper to be materially altered he was oftentimes thoughtful and melancholy and his visits became suddenly shorter and less frequent i afterwards thought this change of conduct owing to jealousy for he once asked me if a gentleman had called upon me i persisted i persisted in avowing my abhorrence of his ungenerous suspicion he left me abruptly and i saw nothing of him after a stroke so unexpected fell heavy on my heart it awakened me to the state of misery into which my imprudence had hurried me what recompense could i expect from my seducer he had been married two years from the inflexibility of his temper i had little to hope and i formed a determination of leaving town for i had now indubitable testimony of his affection being estranged from me half frantic i immediately set out but whither i knew not i walked with precipitation until providence directed me to your hospitable door to your goodness madam i am indebted for prolonging my existence a few days for amidst the kindness and civilities of those around me i feel myself rapidly verging towards the grave i prepare myself for my approaching fate and daily wait the stroke of death with trembling expectation she wrote to mr harrington about a week before her decease i transcribed a letter the honourable mr harrington to the man for whom my bleeding heart yet retains its wonted affection though the author of my guilt and misery do i address my feeble complaint oh harrington i am verging to a long eternity and it is with difficulty i support myself while my trembling hand traces the dictates of my heart indisposed as i am and unable as i feel to prosecute this talk i however collect all my powers to bid you a long a final farewell oh harrington i am about to depart for why should i tarry here in bitter tears of sorrow do i weep away the night and the returning day but augments the anguish of my heart by recalling to view the sad sight of my misfortunes and have i not cause for this severe anguish at once sorrow and disgrace of my family alas my poor mother death shall expiate the crime of thy daughter nor longer raise the blush of indignation on thy glowing cheek ought i not therefore to welcome the hand of death but what will become of my poor helpless infant when its mother lies forgotten in the grave wilt thou direct its feet in the path of virtue and rectitude wilt thou shelter it from the rude blasts of penury and want open your heart to the solicitude of a mother of a mother agonizing for the future welfare of her child let me entreat you to perform this request by the love which you professed for thy maria by her life which you have sacrificed and wilt thou not drop a tear of pity in the grave of thy maria i know thy soul is the soul of sensibility but my departure shall not grieve thee 
no my harrington it shall not rest a sigh from thy bosom rather let me live and defy the malice and misery of the world but can tenderness can love atone for the sacrifices i have made will it blot out my errors from the book of memory will love be an excuse for my crime or hide me from the eye of the malignant no my harrington it will not the passion is unwarrantable be it thine gentle amelia be it thine to check the obtruding sigh and wipe away the tear from his face for thou art his wife and thy soul is the seat of compassion but for me farewell farewell forever maria she survived but a short time and frequently expressed a concern for the child but mrs holmes quieted her fears by promising to protect it she accordingly made inquiry after it and it is the same harriet who was educated by her order and whom she afterwards placed in the family of mrs francis the assurances of my mother were like balm to the broken-hearted maria i shall now said she die in peace the following is a copy of a letter written by the reverend mr holmes to the honourable mr harrington bellevue sir we have a sense of distress at our house peculiarly pathetic and affecting and of which you perhaps are the sole author you have had a criminal connection with miss fawcett you have turned her upon the world inhumanely but chance rather let me say providence hath directed her footsteps to my dwelling where she is kindly entertained and will be so as long as she remains in this wilderness world which is to be i fear but a short time and shall she not though she hath been decoyed from the road that leadeth to peace long life and happiness shall she not if she return with tears of repentance and contrition be entitled to our love and charity yes this is my doctrine if i behold any child of human nature distressed and forlorn and in real want of the necessities of life must i restrain or withhold the hand of charity must i cease to recall the departing spirit of them that are ready to perish until i make diligent inquiry into their circumstances and character surely my friend it is a duty incumbent on us by the ties of humanity and fellow-feeling and by the duty imposed on us by our holy religion equally to extend the hand of relief to all the necessitous however they may be circumstanced in the great family of mankind the crime of maria is not the blackest in the annals of human turpitude but however guilty she might have been the tears of penitence do certainly make atonement therefore thus much have i thought proper to say in vindication of my conduct in sheltering under my roof a poor wanderer who hath strayed but not wantonly and who hath now happily returned one would imagine there was little necessity of making such a vindication to you but my sentiments always flow from the abundance of my heart and i am willing the whole world should judge of those which influence my conduct now though some men whose charity is contracted and who may be denominated prudes in virtue might deem wrongfully of my attention to the calamity of this frail woman 
yet let me appeal to the hearts and understandings of all men and these in particular if i have erred whether it be not an error on the side of humanity would to god such amiable errors were more frequent inasmuch my friend as there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth i may say with assurance that i have felt an emanation of this heavenly joy animate my heart in beholding this woman delighting to steer her course heavenward from the unhappy condition of maria i have been led to reflect on the mischievous tendency of seduction methinks i view the distressing picture in all its horrid colours behold the youthful virgin arrayed in all the delightful charms of vivacity modesty and sprightliness behold even while she is rising in beauty and dignity like a lily of the valley in the full blossom of her graces she is cut off suddenly by the rude hand of the seducer unacquainted with his baseness and treachery and too ready to repose confidence in him she is deluded by the promises and flattery of the man who professes the greatest love and tenderness for her welfare but did she understand the secret villainy of his intentions would she appear thus elate and joyous would she ascend to her ruin would she subscribe her name to the catalogue of infamy would she kiss the hand of the atrocious dastard already raised to give the final wound to her reputation and peace oh why is there not an adequate punishment for this crime when that of a common traitor is marked with its deserved iniquity and abhorrence is it necessary to depicture the state of this deluded young creature after her fall from virtue stung with remorse and frantic with despair does she not fly from the face of day and secrete her conscious head in the bosom of eternal forgetfulness melancholy and guilt transfix her heart and she sighs out her miserable existence the prey of poverty ignominy and reproach lost to the world to her friends and to herself she blesses the approach of death in whatever shape he may appear and terminates a life no longer a blessing to its possessor or a joy to those around her behold her stretched upon the mournful bier behold her silently descend to the grave soon the wild weeds spring afresh round the little hillock as if to shelter the remains of betrayed innocence and the friends of her youth shun even the spot which conceals her relics such is the consequence of seduction but it is not the only consequence peace and happiness fly from the nuptial couch which is unattended by love and fidelity the mind no longer enjoys its quiet while it ceases to cherish sentiments of truth and gratitude the scarred ties of connubial duty are not to be violated with impunity for though a violation of those ties may be overlooked by the eye of justice the heart shall supply a monitor who will not fail to correct those who are hardy enough to burst them asunder i am etc w holmes to this letter mr harrington returned the following answer honourable mr harrington to the reverend mr holmes permit me my ever-honoured friend to return you thanks for your late favours need i add an acknowledgment for your liberality no your heart supplies a source of pleasure which is constantly nourished by your goodness and universal charity 
the picture you have exhibited of a ruined female is undoubtedly just but that the rude spoiler has his share of remorse is equally so the conclusion of your letter is a real picture of the situation of my heart perhaps you were always ignorant of the real motives that influenced me and gave a particular bias to my conduct at an early period of my life i adopted a maxim that the most necessary learning was a knowledge of the world the pursuit of which quadrating with a volatility of disposition presented a variety of scenes to my heated imagination the eclat of my companions gratifying my vanity and increasing the gale of passion i became insensibly hurried down the stream of dissipation here i saw mankind in every point of view from the acme of the most consummate refinement to the most abject stage of degradation i soon became a ready proficient in the great school of the world but an alteration of conduct was soon after necessary i was compelled to it not so much from the world's abhorrence of a dissolute course of life as the dictates of my own heart it was indeed my policy to flatter the world and exhibit a fair outside for i was in love with amelia my licentious amour with maria was secret she was affectionate and tender her manners were pleasing but still i was unhappy my career of dissipation however alluring it struck my vitiated fancy left little satisfaction on the mind reflection had its turn and the happiness i had promised myself in connection with the amiable amelia i fully enjoyed in our marriage a course of uninterrupted tranquillity ensued but it was of short duration the volatility of my temper and the solicitude of my old associates induced me at subsequent periods to fall into my old vagaries the taverns frequently found me engaged in meannesses derogatory to the character of a gentleman these things i perceived affected the soul of amelia she was all meekness gentleness and compassion and she never once upbraided me with my illiberal conduct but let concealment like a worm in bud feed on her damask cheek blessed be that power who has implanted within us that consciousness of reproach which springs from gentleness and love hail sensibility ye eloquent tears of beauty that added dignity to human nature by correcting its foibles it was these that corrected my faults when recrimination would have failed of success it was these that opened every avenue of contrition in my heart when words would have dammed up every sluice of repentance it was now i appeared fully sensible that my conduct had hitherto been a course of disorder and that systems of reformation however well planned had been overturned by the breath of adulation before they had been thoroughly carried into execution that i had been drifting upon a sea of inconsistency without exercising my judgment like a ship without a rudder buffeted on the bosom of the ocean the sport of winds and waves the criminality of my connection with maria appeared with the most aggravated circumstances it stung me with remorse and i instantly determined however severe the conflict to tear her from my bosom to see her no more but how was i to inform her of it in what manner was i to bring about such a talk maria must be sacrificed to the happiness of amelia 
this was all i had to perform it was a short lesson but it was a hard one for me to execute with this determination however i entered the apartment of maria duty to amelia and gratitude to maria interchangeably agitated me the contention was dubious but duty prevailed and i adhered to my former resolution yet how was i to tell her this would be the last visit conscious she had ever acted in conformity to my wishes how could i accuse her without accusing myself i threw out a few inconsiderate and ungrateful hints of jealousy and left the room abruptly the feelings of maria must have been injured but however her sensibility was affected mine was doubly so i felt for her i felt for our infant and these feelings were added to the afflictions which had already burst upon my devoted head a few days consideration however convinced me of the impropriety and ingratitude of my behaviour to maria i hastened to tell her of it to place her in a situation that should screen her from penury and malice and to make provision for the child but she was not to be found i was informed that she had suddenly disappeared and that a countryman had by her order called and taken away the child but a few hours before this information burst upon my head like the voice of sudden thunder i stood motionless but my agitation was too violent to be of any long duration a natural tear i shed but wiped it soon it was your goodness and the humanity of your family that sheltered the wretched maria and provided for the helpless harriet your feelings are your reward from all the variegated scenes of my past life i daily learn some new lesson of humanity experience hath been my tutor i now take a retrospect of my past conduct with deliberation but not without some serious reflection like a sailor escaped from shipwreck who sits safely on the shore and views the horrors of the tempest but as the gale subsides and the waves hide their heads in the bosom of the deep he beholds with greater concern the mischief of the storm and the dangers he hath escaped from what innate principle does this arise but from god within the mind i assert it for the honour of human nature that no man however dissolute but comes back to the hour of reflection and solemn thoughtfulness when the actions that are past return upon the mind and this internal monitor sits in judgment upon them and gives her verdict of approbation or dislike he who listens to its call views his character in its proper light i have attended to its cry and i see my deformity i recall my misspent time but in vain i reflect on the misery of maria and i curse my temerity i reflect on the state into which i have plunged a once happy female and am eager to apply a speedy remedy but this is vain also can i restore her that virtue that innocence that peace of which i have unmanfully robbed her let us leave the melancholy subject i will not so far supersede the fruit of your benevolence as to presume to offer you any other recompense than my sincere prayers for your happiness i have the honour to be with respect yours etc j harrington the disorder of maria was fatal and rapid but i hastened to the last scene of her life 
it has though i was young made an impression on my mind that time cannot efface i went to her as she was seated on the bed virtue and harmony were blended in her aspect she was serene and composed and her mien while it expressed a consciousness of superior worth and dignity exhibited in our view a striking picture of the grandeur of the human soul patient though afflicted of a spirit broken and borne down by severe distress yet striving to surmount all and aspire to heaven in what words shall i paint to you my dear myra her heroism and greatness of mind weep not for me said she perceiving my emotion death has nothing shocking to me i have familiarized myself to his terrors i feel the gradual decay of mortality and waiting with confidence in the father of mercy i am prepared to resign this mortal breath i resign it in firm assurance of the soul's blessed immortality death i view as freeing me from a world which has lost its relish as opening new scenes of happiness but a few moments continued she clasping my hand and the scene of life is closed for ever heaven opens on my soul i go where all tears shall be wiped away i welcome death as the angel of peace she uttered these words with a placid smile of resignation her head sunk down on the pillow and the next minute she was an angel soul of the universe exclaimed my father-in-law there flew the gentlest spirit that ever animated human dust great were thy temptations sincere thy repentance if some human infirmity fell to thy lot thy tears dear shade have washed out thy guilt forever end of letter thirty nine